What a blessing, what a privilege to be back again this morning. What a joy, what a joy. It's been a while. Been on the road, traveling, fulfilling the assignment the Lord has committed into my hands in the last few weeks. And it's been difficult to catch up because of different time zones and the intensity of the work the Lord has called me to do. Well, I'm glad to be back home and I'm glad to be with you this morning doing what the Lord has called me to do. What a blessing. I'm sure it is well with you. It is well with your household, well with your family, well with your children, well with all that you do. See unto the righteous, it is well with them. Hallelujah. So glad, so glad to be back. We define zeal as great enthusiasm and a compelling action and passion, passion. And I've come to the conclusion of the fact that it is impossible to walk with God or walk for God without a strong passion and zeal, zeal to accomplish the work of God. A wonderful man once said that if love is the fire that burns in the man, then zeal is the flame. So if we are truly burning with love for the Lord, then we must be driven by great zeal, passionate zeal for the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ in his days on earth was completely eaten up by the zeal of the Lord. As disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must also be consumed by the zeal of the Lord. So this morning, there are four dimensions of zeal that we must possess as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. Four, four, for dimensions of zeal, I believe every child of God must have in place. And the first dimension of zeal that I want to remind us of this morning is the zeal for holiness. The zeal for holiness. The zeal for holiness. The passion, the compelling passion that drives a man to stand for holiness and live a holy life must be the foundation and the basis of his walk with God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 tells us that pursue peace with all people and holiness and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So, holiness is a very important factor that guarantees our ability to see God. A man who undermines holiness, undermines holiness at his own peril. A church that takes holiness for granted 
will not see God, regardless of their financial or numerical strength or capacity, without holiness, no man, no church, no congregation, no family will see the Lord. You don't see God by your resources. Oh no, if the church really wants to see God again in his glory, God again in his power, God in his, in his wisdom, in his mighty presence, then the church must be consumed radically, radically consumed with the zeal for holiness. What are the characteristics of a man, a people, a congregation consumed with the zeal for holiness? Let us read Numbers chapter 25 as 1 to 13. It's a long read. The Bible says, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. They bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. My goodness, the congregation of Israel remained in Akasha Grove. They lost sight of the promised land. They became very comfortable in the place of their pleasure. The passionate desire to move to the place that God promised them had greatly declined. So they were in their, in their own place, in their own space, in their own domain. And they began to groove with sin. They were in a crucial groove, grooving with iniquity, with allotry, with immorality. Allotry with the women of Moab distracted their focus from advancing forcefully towards the promised land. A people, a church, a congregation that becomes too comfortable in their journey will be trapped, seduced, and distracted from the place that God planned for them. God was greatly displaced with his people and God commanded Moses to deal decisively with them. Verse 4 tells us, he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun. Expose them. Expose them. Expose them to the heat of the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Can you see? Can you see how stubborn the heart of man could be while the judgment of God was being released on the people for their 
immoral behavior, a man fearlessly brought in a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and all the congregation who were weeping. He cared less, damned all the consequences regardless of the leadership of the people, of the anger of the Lord. He cared less. He was bold, really bold in iniquity, bold in sin, bold in immorality. Nobody could speak to him. Not even Moses could stand up against him. Everyone was speechless. Everyone. The entire congregation, I believe no one could believe what they were looking at. A man under the intense fierce anger of God, under the intense judgment of God, a man still had the effrontery, the boldness, the courage to bring a woman, a Midianite woman, into the congregation of God. Not just to look at her, but to have carnal knowledge of this woman right in the presence of God's people. Wow! Wow! What an effrontery! Wow! Verse 7. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. There are certain things going on in the body of Christ that will not stop until Still, men and women rise up against that immorality, rise up against that evil, that gossip, that malice, that unforgiveness, that sin, and pierce through the core of iniquity right in the house of the Lord. The man stood up and the Pierce through the core of sin, the core of immorality, the core of distraction and deception, and then the plague stopped. The Bible says, those who died in the plague were 24,000. Verse 10, then the Lord spoke to Moses. Wow! Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, he could not stand these demonic operations in the congregation of the Lord. He stood for God. He chose to walk in the ways of the Spirit and pierced through the very heart of iniquity. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, I'm not advising you to kill any man, but what is your response to sin and iniquity when you see one, when you see your brethren living in sin, when you see the congregation dwelling in sin? What is your response? Do you just behave as though this is not your business? Do you just behave as if, well, that is not my life? Or do you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to pierce through the very core of sin and iniquity in the heart of men? I believe, I believe that one reason we miss the power of God in our days is because we have become very tolerant, very tolerant to sin and iniquity. We have raised people who are bold in iniquity, who do not fear the Lord, nor reverence his presence. Men and women who have taken the grace of God for granted and have despised the words of Paul that says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
God forbid. Eliezer will not have that. Eliezer will not allow iniquity to continue in his days. He was consumed with zeal. He was consumed with a passion, passion for holiness, personal holiness, corporate holiness. He was consumed. He could not handle the mess that was going on. He had zero tolerance for the sin and iniquity of his people. He did not seek any permission from Moses. He did not ask for the approval of the seven elders. He cared less. He cared less what the people would say. He did not even think of the fact that he would be called the murderer thereafter, a murderer for the rest of his life. He was moved, moved by a passion that he could not explain. And God, God was greatly pleased with the response of this young man to sin. In verse 11, the Bible says, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest God speaking, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel. Why? Because he was zealous. He was zealous with my zeal among them. So I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Oh God, oh God, oh wow. God acknowledged his zeal and passion for holiness. God recognized the zeal and the passion of this young man for holiness. By reason of his zeal for holiness, he did not only save his generation from the wrath of God, but established a new covenant with God. Verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore say, Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, hallelujah, and it shall be to him and his descendants, after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. A single young man, a single young man got the covenant of peace and a covenant of everlasting priesthood because of his zeal, his passion, his love, his unstoppable, unquenchable flame and fire burning for holiness. Oh wow, wow. Everlasting priesthood, everlasting covenant, everlasting priesthood. Oh, wow, what a realm, what a realm. Not even his father, Aaron, could get that. His father never had a covenant of everlasting priesthood. No way. Not even Moses was given the privilege of such an everlasting covenant of priesthood. A young man, a young man got what Elijah did not get. A young man, he got what Elisha missed. A young man got what the greatest prophets and prophetess in the Bible could not get in all their years of walking with God. A young man, this young man, Phineas moved, moved by the zeal for holiness, responded to the urgent need of God to trash out iniquity, to trash out sin, to trash out immorality and obtain the everlasting priesthood and covenant of peace that is father, that no man in his generation had. With God. Dearly beloved, 
holiness, holiness, holiness. If there's anything we must return to, we must return to holiness, passion for holiness, passion for purity, passion to stand for God, to speak for God, passion to be burdened with what burdens the heart of God, passion to be intolerant to sin. I'm not saying we should be not forgiven, but zero tolerance. We must be absolutely uncomfortable in any form of sin, any form of, of, of lust, immorality. We must cry out to God. We must apply the word of God. Oh, the days are gone when the sword or the javelin is been used, but we have the sword of the spirit. We have the jack saw of the spirit that can cut off and rip open every fleshly desire, every fleshly longing, every self, every desire to please ourselves, every ego, every pride, every arrogance, every jealousy, envy, every wickedness of heart. For the heart of man is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. So this morning, I invite you to the space, to this domain in the spirit where the holiness of God is magnified above all else, where your heart pants for holiness, where you desire God's holiness, where you come to that absolute resolution, that holiness without which no man, no man, no man, regardless of your title, regardless of your knowledge, regardless of your doctrine, regardless of your religions and religion and capacity, regardless of your wealth, regardless of your position in the church, you may be a deacon, a hack bishop, a doctor, a reverend, most senior, apostolic, evangelistic prophet without holiness. No man shall see the Lord. Oh, you are a young believer and you are playing with sin. Brother, sister, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Maybe they've told you that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. Ah, that's a lie. Without holiness, no man, no man, no man shall see the Lord. No man shall see the Lord. I pray this morning that you will have a personal desire. You have a personal passion. You have a personal longing for holiness. Be ye holy even as your Father in heaven is holy. I call the church, the church of the living God, back to that place. The place of holiness. The place of holiness. The place of holiness. Holiness must be the foundation of our walk with God. Holiness must be the foundation of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holiness, holiness. For a holy man in the hand of a holy God is a dangerous weapon. Dangerous weapon. Dangerous weapon to the enemy. I commend you to God this morning and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. God bless you. God bless your household. God bless the works of your hand as you stand in holiness for God. Amen and amen.